Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. When you think of Las Vegas, you'll think of magic acts. But I got something way more interesting than magic acts. I love great magic acts. But we also love hypnotism. It's something we haven't talked about yet, so I'm really excited to do this interview with Kevin Lapine. Kevin, by the way, is one of the very best in town. You can see him Tuesday through Saturday over at the Four Queens. The name of his show is Hypnosis Unleashed, and it's at 9 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Well, Kevin, welcome to the show. I have been interested in what you do since I don't know when. Those are always great acts and so forth. So the obvious question I have to ask is right off the bat, do you look, when you're looking out for help and uh, volunteers from the audience, do you look for specific types, or are you pretty confident you can hypnotize just about anybody? Well, thank you so much for having me on. When I'm, when I'm asking for volunteers, I want real volunteers from the audience. I want anybody who wants to honestly participate to have the option. So I make it the audience's choice, not mine. Well, you know, and people always think that there's some sort of a uh, some sort of a gimmick, like you you load up the audience and stuff. But I, you don't do that, right? I mean, you don't have your friends sitting in there. I'll, I'll go on just in case. Well, you can go to uh, our social media if you look at Hypnosis Unleashed on Facebook, or you know, you just go to facebook.com/hypnotistkevin. We post pictures from all the shows, so you can see that there are different people up there. Every night. Yeah. And, and that's actually what makes it fun for me, too, is, you know, I get to work with different personalities every night. The show is never boring for me, either. Well, yeah, and it's a lot of fun for people that, it, whether you want to participate or not, people have a blast. You were the winner of Best of Vegas, and I know these kind of... I was very things. honored for that, because yeah. that was the, the Reader's Choice poll. And, I mean, to have, to have people get... Because, I, I mean, let's be honest, in the grand scope of everything, I have a very small show as far as Vegas standards go. I mean, if you compare me to Cirque, mm-hmm. my show is really tiny. So for our audiences to enjoy the show that much, that we're able to win those kind of awards is always, always an honor to me. Well, yeah, and I think people are particularly fascinated by it because they don't know what to expect. I think they kind of go in with that idea, well, I don't know what this is going to be exactly. And they always come out with a smile on their face, in part because... People have to realize, right? I mean, first and foremost, you're a comedian. I mean, you're there mm-hmm. for laughs too, right? Oh yeah, we've got to make we have to make every part of it fun. Whether it's me coming out and explaining what's going to happen or explaining what I'm looking for in volunteers, everything has to be fun and engaging and humorous right from the word go. Well, and I think it's one of those things too where People have told me they like what you do because there's not a sense of meanness. I think people are always afraid in those type of acts, like somebody's going to pull someone up and they're going to make them say really horrible things or something like that. And you don't do that. I mean, you have fun with it, but it's nothing. People, they have nothing to be ashamed of when they go to sit down after they're done. You know, you actually brought up two of my favorite points right there. And one of my one of my favorite things doing hypnosis is rarely do I have anybody ever come up to me and go, Hey, man, what are you going to make me do? 
It's always, hey, you're not going to make me spill secrets, are you? <laughs> to which my initial thought is, well, what secrets do you have that you don't right. want to tell? And then I think of the secrets I have that I don't want to tell. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to tell mine. You're not going to tell yours. <laughs> but then the other side of it is, this was a lesson I learned a long time ago. If you volunteer for my show, and I make sure you're having fun on stage, everybody has fun watching you. Not everybody in the audience knows who you are, but everybody in the audience knows one fact about you when you step on my stage. They all know, oh my God, that could have been me. <laughs> so if I make sure you're having fun and you're having a good time, then everybody has a good time. So when you're looking for volunteers, okay, so it's not a question mm -hmm. of whether or not you can, uh, ha have you run, first of all, have you run into some people that you just simply couldn't hypnotize? Does that happen? Uh, it's not that I can't hypnotize them. It's not that they can't be hypnotized, but I have a limited amount of time. Right, right. If you came to me one-on-one -on -one for something, I can take 90 minutes with you. Up on stage, I've got about four minutes to get people you know, to find my, my superstars for the night so that we can get to the funny stuff and get to the fun stuff. The so that's my only problem with saying I can't hypnotize everybody. It's I can't hypnotize everybody in that amount of time. It's why I ask for 12 to 16 volunteers, knowing that I'm going to end up keeping, you know, eight to 10 of them. Yeah. Now, you know, when you do that, I mean, do you look for any partic particular things? I mean, do you find that, like, people love to see pretty girls or do they like, like, you know, kind of people that some people just exude like that. They're going to be loud and, and, and fun, you know, not in a bad way, but kind of loud. I mean, do you kind of like look for that so people can enjoy it or, or do you look for somebody that maybe it's a little meek and mild? Cause everybody that knows somebody like that loves to see a different side of them that they never get to see. So my biggest skill as a hypnotist in all honesty is being able to read your personality when you're up there. Once I have my superstars hypnotized, I do a couple of routines right in the very beginning that's kind of designed, they're fun and they're funny, but they're really designed for me to go, okay, you've got a bigger personality, you've got a quieter personality, and I'm, like, I'm looking up and down at my volunteers and going, okay, this person might be good for this, this person might be good for this, and what my volunteers don't realize that they're doing is all throughout the show, for lack of a better way of explaining it, they are consistently auditioning for the ideas that are in my head of what we could do next. <laughs> because, there, there, because there are some nights that I'm, I'm looking down at my volunteers, I'm going, okay, well, this isn't a good idea, this isn't a good idea. And then there's other nights where I'm like, oh, this person's going to do this, this person's going to, and, you know, I'm just, I'm seeing what their personality is going to lend itself to. My goal is to take whatever your personality is and turn that into a into a superstar. That's great. What well, kind of reminds me of the old show Candid Camera, where they said, you know, yes, right. You know, People in the caught in the act of being themselves. That is exactly that. God, I, I, I have not heard that line in so long, but that is actually one of the founding lines of my show. That's great because because yep. I think everybody you know and that's why that show was so popular in the sense that everybody could appreciate it because they all know mm -hmm. you're putting it, and everybody when they watch those things and I'm sure it's the same way when you're working with somebody on stage people in the crowd are saying gosh I wonder what I would have done and kind of thinking like where I would have gone because everybody has a reaction and, and there's also moments that I came up with in the show that is are. Moments where everybody in the audience is going, oh, man, if that's what's happening, I should have gone up there. 
because there's there's a lot of moments of giving and sweetness as well because I want everybody up there to feel good to have a good time and 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 you know there are just different things that I, I do to to embrace not just the hilarity but also the beauty of it. Yeah, well, that's why I think when people come out, and a lot of our listeners come out four or five, six times to Vegas, not to mention the people mm-hmm. that live around town, they need to see you more than once because none of the shows, first of all, are going to be the same. That's the beauty of this, right? It's not the same oh, jokes, yeah. you know. There may be and, some of the same jokes, but you know and, what I mean. <laughs> and, and we have different audiences, and we have different volunteers, and different audiences react different ways. You know, I'm because of how interactive my show is, I have an idea about what I'm going to do tonight, but until I'm on that stage and until I'm with those people, I can't tell you exactly what tonight's show is going to be. And that is the one thing that I love about my show. It's the one thing, it's one of the few things I can do that Cirque can't. Yeah. And that's that I can take tonight's show and make tonight's show the best show for whatever audience I have there that night. I, I have that ability to adapt to to that and to have those improv moments. Okay, so we got to ask. Everybody asked me, I, I was mentioning that I have this great hypnotist on. I'm excited. And some of the questions are obvious. But one of the things mm-hmm. that kind of went through is they said, ask Kevin, how the heck do you become not just a hypnotist, because, you know, that, that's a field like any other, but to do this type of thing, you know, there's not a lot of, uh, of people that are out doing this thing and not doing it well. How do you go about doing it? Because it's a combination of combining the gift of a stand-up comic with this great skill set. How did that all come? You know, where, where did it start and how did you get there? Okay, so that question is a four-hour conversation I'd be glad to have with you. Mm-hmm. But let me abbreviate it. The first thing is learning to do it well and safely. And safely above all else. And in order to learn, to really work with somebody and to really learn, the number one thing somebody really has to do is listen. There are people who will be glad to teach you. And there are people who will be glad at different stages of your career to help you out. I have been so fortunate to work with amazing amazing comedy writers, amazing comedians, amazing performers, amazing people. When I bring up like the fact that the amazing Johnson has helped me write material and Harry Anderson helped me write material. I kind of hate name dropping those two because there's also 20 other people who at different points in my career went, Oh, look at this. Look at that. But it's, are you willing to listen and learn that more than Anything is what grew my career. Well, I mean, did, did you start as just a, a hypnotist and got in the other side, or did you learn hypnotism ah. after that? So I was uh, I was performing since I was sixteen, and when I was about twenty, I started working with some hypnotists, and they went, "With your personality, you should look into this." And so I did, and I always knew I was going to use my powers for evil instead of good, but at the time. The only place I could learn was at a place that was designed for social workers. So I learned it clinically, but learning it clinically really helped me to learn all of the safety aspects of it and really taught me how to be prepared. And then, you know, I started to put together a show and I got very fortunate. Like I said, I started to work with some brilliant people who really 
really helped me turn it into a show. Because what I wanted to do, and what I've been very fortunate to do, is to write a show that says, I have something very fun and interesting to share with you. And if you walk up here on stage, I'm going to make you look like a superstar. Your act is relatively tame. I mean, it's very funny, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's not, a lot of people now are associating hypnotism with these adult things, you know, to get some, and... And and I know you've said because I've looked at, at your website. You said, "Hey, I I'm okay with that. That's just that, that's a different thing." But is that something? Do you think sometimes that it's kind of gotten in the way where people always see it that way, and that's just one aspect, or what? Well, first of all, it depends on my crowd. Is what kind of dictates what kind of material I'm going to do. Um, there are nights I, I do a very uncensored show. There's nights that it's a little bit tamer. And it just depends on the volunteers, the people, the whole works. But also, and, and this is true of every version of comedy, you have to be sincere. And you have to be authentic. So, I, I, and I will use Anthony Cools, who... I've got no problem using him as an example because, I mean, he had an amazing 16-and-a-half-year run here in town. Um, Anthony did a, a, a much dirtier show than I, than I do. But if you look at his jokes, if you look at what he did, if you look at how he phrased things, first of all, he was very upfront with it, so there were no surprises. But that's Anthony's natural sense of humor as well. My natural sense of humor doesn't go that direction. So if I tried to do that, you would just know it wasn't authentic. You know how like you'll see a comic, especially a comic first starting, and they're dropping a lot of F-bombs, and they're just, they're saying a lot of things because they're uncomfortable and they think that's yeah. what they're supposed to say, as opposed to that being who they actually are. Yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I used to always yeah. think about people trying to copy Richard Pryor, and it's like, okay, yes. well, Richard Pryor's Richard Pryor, but you're not Richard right. Pryor, right? I mean, because he had certain experiences growing up that yep. yours are different. <laughs> exactly, and when you use your real personality and use your real sense of humor, you're going to go, I, I, I mean, at that moment, the sky's the limit. It's really funny when you look at really successful comics and then you watch like a clip of them from 15, 20 years ago when they're first starting yeah. and, and you see that clip and you're like, oh man, I can see how they're going to grow to be this superstar, but they just don't have that confidence yet. They just don't have that style yet. But it's kind of cool to watch some of the old specials and go and just watch them develop that confidence and, and that voice. And you find them becoming more and more authentic as to what their voice is. Yeah, I mean that's a great a, a great point. And you can sit there and watch like Seinfeld, and if you watch from the first mm-hmm. season to the last, you can just see how this thing developed. And it just ta- yeah, it, it just takes time, right? I mean, part of it is for for you to just feel so comfortable. And I guess every time you're doing your act too, yeah, this worked better than that. I like this, but it's always being polished, right? Mm-hmm. And. I would love, I would love to say that I am a brilliant comedy writer, but most of the funny things I talk about in my show 
when I say, oh, man, this funny thing happened at, at a show one night and everybody laughs about it. Yeah, that actually happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm honestly just telling stories of the crazy things that have happened to me. And that's part of it. And that's part of that development, too, is getting that experience. And the great thing, one thing that, that I tell comics is, you know, make sure that you know where you're going next. Always know where you're going next. Because wherever you are right now, something really, really funny could happen in that moment. There are, there are just moments where all of a sudden something happens and it's just brilliant. And you can explore that moment and you can have fun with that moment. You can do great things in that moment. But you don't know if that moment's ever going to come again and you sure want to know where you're going next. Right. And like you said before, too, that's the power of listening. Because if you're not mm -hmm. listening, then those then you miss those opportunities. And the audience will give you a lot of those moments. Right. If you're willing to, to listen and pay attention. Well, you know, one other thing about hypnosis is, and we kind of talked about it before we even started the interview. There are some people that are actually afraid of this. And I, and I think it's because yep. it's so unusual. Do you, are you really, obviously you're aware of it. I mean, is that something that you're kind of looking out for to, to make people worry, you know, this is, you know, you're not doing a satanic ritual or anything like mm -hmm. that, you know? I, I start off my show by explaining a little bit about what hypnosis is and isn't just to make people feel more comfortable about it. But the great thing is, honestly, the people who have a negative impression of hypnosis, they're not going to spend the money to come and see my show anyway. Yeah. I, I would love for them to see the show so that they can get rid of that negative image they have of it and so that they could understand it better. But, you know, I, I kind of make it clear in the beginning of my show that if that's your whole purpose, you've come to the wrong place. Right. Uh, I, we're all here to have fun tonight, not argue and debate. Absolutely. That's what the Internet's for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This show is worth it, folks. Uh, Tuesday through Saturday at the Four Queens. That's going to be a fun place to play because I think downtown is really cool for this. You get a great crowd, a lively crowd. It must just be, and it's kind of a, it's a little bit smaller room, which means you can get a little more intimate with the audience. Yes, it is a fantastic room. The Four Queens has been such an amazing partner. We are the 9 o'clock show. Mike Hammer's the 7 o'clock show. He's a comedy magic show. He is phenomenal. Being able to be in the same room with him and, you know, being able to pick each other's brains and, and have that other performer there, you know, it's, it's, it's a great feeling. It's a great environment. The crowds have been wonderful. Well, you should definitely go. Kevin Lapine, great a great, great act and a lot of fun. Don't let that, the whole concept of hypnosis, don't worry. Uh, you'll still be smoking or overeating if you leave. <laughs> I, if he could get rid of the, the overeating part, I'd be in there every <laughs> night. But, uh, Kevin, what's your website? Because I know people want, if they want to read more, I know they can look at you yep. on YouTube, right? There's plenty of that there yep. as well. And, and you can go to either hypnosisunleashed.com or vegashypnosisshow.com. That sounds it's, great. <laughs> it's, it's the same website. Somebody tried to buy my website and sell it to me, and uh, then they realized they couldn't do that, but it took me a while to get hypnosisunleashed.com back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you got it back. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed Thank that. Thank you. My greatest pleasure. Thank you for having me on.
Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com.